so what's going to happen is the, the primary care physicians are going to now be able to break away from the hospital systems again because they're going to get compensated for keeping people out of the hospital. They're going to make enough money that they can go off on their own again. And, and so if, as that happens, the hospital systems need to really start to streamline and focus in on their acute care. And so that means that when somebody gets to the hospital, but our hospitals are going to shrink in size and they're going to shrink in terms of the specialists that are inside of them because more of the money is going to be pumped into the primary care. So I think the hospitals just have to be ready for it. And I think the biggest issue is what are they going to do with all this bricks and mortar that they're going to build or not. They're going to have to start converting a lot of that. Those hospital rooms are going to be empty a lot more often. Welcome to the Disrupted Podcast. My name is Jamie and I'm your host and we're here with Scott Middleton on his way to the mountains because it is hot in South Carolina. How you doing, Scott? You know, they, they were, I was listening to the news yesterday and they said Oregon was going to be 101 Ooh. and those folks don't have air conditioning. I no. feel for them. Oh yeah, that would be miserable. Yeah. Anytime I see somebody that lives in South Carolina and their air conditioning's down, I instantly start praying for them <laughs> so, so uh the, the one thing from a healthcare standpoint guys people get dehydrated my dad mm-hmm. has had three ivs done in the last uh probably two weeks and and it's been he has felt so much better after getting those ivs uh, i just say to folks that you need to do that i've been asking our providers they'll say oh drink a lot of water and i'm going you can't drink that much i don't think yeah so um so what they um, what I've asked them to do out there is to grab some of these small um, IV bags because you can get a like a half uh, a half of a bag mm-hmm. and it can run in about thirty minutes. So you could go and start people on a bag as soon as you walk into their house and yeah. the time you get ready to leave, it's done. Um, so I, I really think that it's it's something that we need to look at. And then uh, they'll go like, oh, I don't know where to get them, and I'm going, we have them somewhere. I'm not clinical, so I don't know where to order them, but. Right. Yeah, getting getting hydration is important. Right yeah, now. and I would say I would say eighty percent of the world's population is dehydrated. And so. what people don't get is what does that mean? So mm-hmm. when your when your internal organs are dehydrated, your system is not getting the fluid they need. Mm-hmm. You're much more likely to end up hospitalized because of something that's going to be affected by, you know, again, I'm not clinical, but kidney, liver, I mean, sure. all kinds of things. So just got to get out there and take care of folks. And um, I think that kind of leads us into, you know, the, the whole point of, you know, our goal as primary care providers is to keep people out of the hospital. Sure. You know, and unnecessarily hospitalizations, but for the majority of our patients who are 65 plus, um, you know, we can prevent that. And so a lot of times people will say, well, Scott, I never could have prevented such and such like falls. I mean, I, I've heard this all forever. Well, I, I can't prevent a fall. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of ways. One, making sure you're analyzing the house when you're going out to see them to make sure there's not trip hazards, mm-hmm. um, analyzing and documenting weight because, you know, you could have, uh, you could be swollen with fluids, you sure. know, sometimes, um, you know, because we need to adjust um, medications to take care of that watching the medications we give that might keep people, it might make people dizzy and stuff. So, you know, there's, even when you talk about um, renal and kidney diseases, I mean, there's things that you can do to prevent that extra hospitalization. Um, 
that that was one of the things this week we had and, and i may have mentioned it last week about the nephrologist saying the majority of hospitalizations on people that are on, on dialysis is because they can't get to dialysis because the government will pay for the dialysis but they won't pay for the transportation if you're not on medicaid sure yeah so and how yeah, many people are Humana, out there Humana, yeah, so yeah. Humana pays for 26 trips a year. You go to dialysis three times a week. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You so got to get there. for one every other week. Until, until they can create small dialysis machines that can be put in your home. That's, that's what's got to happen. Yeah. Well, and they do have some of those. It's just that it's probably for the earlier stage. Um mm-hmm. That rather than the later stage, you know, yeah. you can't pump a lot of fluids, you know, through the, the body because of that. Uh, but it can be, you know, I've said, here's what we can do. You know, medical assistance in, in, in um, South Carolina house calls, you need to call a patient and say, I need to know all your friends and family that live within, you know, five miles of you. Yeah. And you need to call them up. Social worker can do the same thing. Pick up your phone, call them up and say, Hey, you know, you're, Mrs. Smith, your loved one goes to Alex's three times a week and, and she needs transportation sometimes. So can I get you to commit to one day a, a week or can I get you to commit to a month or could I get you to commit to if I have an emergency, I'll call you. Sure. Yeah. Or just check in once a week and say, Hey, what do you need? You know, I think right. that, that alone would be huge. You know, I can understand too, as, as I were a patient, and I had to go to dialysis three times every week, every, you know, all the time, I would feel bad about the people that have to take me. Mm-hmm. You know, I would feel like, oh, gosh, I'm just a burden to people or something like that. And and most people don't really believe that. I mean, like, you know, my mm-hmm. friends and family love to do things for me um, if I really needed it. But yet I would be afraid to ask. And so people sometimes kill themselves or, or they end up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. which is even worse at that point because we didn't proactively treat what we can do for patients. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm the worst at asking for anything. <laughs> I, I, it's one of my faults. And so, yeah. And especially that age group, I think they just, like you said, they don't want to be a burden and they're not being, a they've burden. always been very independent. Right. Yeah. And they've always done their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and they're, and well, they're, which also leads us to the as we were talking about before the the call started, chronic care management. Mm-hmm. So, um, Medicare now has mandated every uh, insurance provider has to pay for chronic care management. Um, they are encouraging every which way for providers to provide CCM. They did it this year by increasing rates by thirty percent. Yeah. You know, Medicare doesn't do that. They cut mm-hmm. rates. They don't increase them. Right. right? Exactly. <laughs> so, and they're saying that I actually did a Medicare uh, calculator the other day for, a, it's, it was like you put in how many physicians you have and how many patients you have and how many of Medicare. And it tells you how much you should be billing under CCM a month. And mm-hmm. so for our practice, it was $1.7 million. Wow. Now, we bill roughly six million a year. I mean, a, a month. Mm-hmm. So that means we should be increasing what we do for CCM. Should be thirty percent of the things that we do. Thirty percent. 
So that means that if we do what Medicare wants us to do, and so then you have to go, wow, well, Medicare has a lot of data. You think about it. They have every every time there's a claim that's going into this Medicare data system, and everything about that claim goes on there, and then they analyze it. And yeah. what they've discovered is that the, the people who have CCM spend less money yeah. on Medicare services. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and, and what, did, what would that 30% be, Scott? Do what? What would that 30% be? Your quick math. So that 30%, yeah, the 30% for us is 1.7 million. So yeah. if you if you think about it as a provider, let's say a provider is billing, you know, roughly, I don't know, $50,000 a month. Um, you know, some bill more and some bill less, but 50000 a month times 30%, we should be billing another $15,000 a month mm-hmm. and crying at care management yeah. on our patients to where it's appropriate. But, we, you know, we're old people, so um, it, it's all of our patients. Mm-hmm. And and so when you, we throw that out to our providers and to our medical assistants and all, and they're going like, well, you know, that doesn't seem right. And it seems too good to be true, which it is. <laughs> but it's not when you start thinking about what we're doing. But now, I, I mean, I can bill Medicare for that MA coordinating that dialysis transport. Yeah. You know, and making sure that somebody gets out there. Um, I can I can pay for um, that social worker that's mm-hmm. going to help you get meals on wheels. You know, so there's just so much available now. Yeah, absolutely. And it and it actually gets to help people. And I think that's the most exciting thing. It really does get to help people. Uh, on a practical and, and make people feel better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and what's interesting is that even some of the insurances like um, Medicare replacements like Humana and um, in particular has a lot of their policies are zero co-pays and deductibles for CCM. Mm-hmm. And, and what they're also doing on the insurance side is they're saying, okay, we're going to give you a zero deductible, um, for, for even primary care visits, a lot of them are doing that. But if you go to the emergency room, it's a thousand dollars. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Easy. and people, people don't know that they, mm-hmm. they literally, you know, they sign up for this plan because somebody cold called them at home. Insurance companies are going, Oh, this is the policy you need. Well, that's the one they're going to make most money off of. Mm-hmm. It's what you have to think about. And then they turn around and, hit you a 30 actually i think it's probably better i'm going to charge you a thousand dollars to go to the emergency room it's two thousand dollars if you you get admitted to the hospital Mm -hmm. so guys don't you think you ought to see your primary care physician a lot more often sure yeah and and i I think that thousand dollars could even be low i i had to go to the emergency room it's been several years ago for a varicose vein that had had been cut and i was bleeding i was spurting out of my leg (laughs) and and freaked me out, ended up going to the emergency room and I didn't even get into a room. They put me in the hallway in a bed, the doctor cauterized the, uh, the wound and that was $1,500 out of pocket. So I think, I think a thousand's probably being conservative. And, and I said, why do you care? Mm. We're going to bill it through to Medicare, and, and the reason was they cared because they wanted to know if that was going to affect their productivity in terms of billing, and were they going to get paid based on that? Because, you yeah. know, doctors, at the end of the day, get paid based on what they bill. Yeah, sure. And, uh, yeah. 
So that's the, the, the great thing about um, us moving in with our ACO, our accountable care organization, um, because they will, uh, they want us to bill more in primary care because those, that correlation of cost savings is the more primary care sees you, the less likely you're going to the hospital. And so they're, they're compensating for us for that. But for our, the big picture for our providers and all of our staff is there's two things. One is make sure that that the people are appropriately diagnosed mm-hmm. because we miss a lot of the diag- the diagnoses correctly. For example, um, if, if you are on dialysis, if you, you just put that they have chronic kidney uh, disease, um, that's not going to, that does, it, it, but yet they are dependent upon dialysis for their life. That's the code. You have to put that they're dependent. Yeah. Medicare now expects to have to spend that $88,000 on dialysis, and they don't. So you got to get it appropriate, and then you got to figure out how to find a hospital. And we're giving our providers carte blanche to say what you have to do to keep them out of the hospital. Now you can bill for that chronic care management uh, piece of it. Is that worth it? Um, you know, to to you. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you're, you're cheating the patient. Our, our providers a lot of leeway. Yeah. You're cheating the patient when you don't document correctly, when you, you know, so it's super important for them that it's documented correctly because they don't get what they deserve. Right. And, and I've had, I've had providers in the past, hopefully people aren't doing this anymore, but they'll say, well, I was, I'm just going to build that as a low code because that may increase their deductible. Well, Medicare is paying a minimum of 80% of this. Mm-hmm. And in most of the plans now, Medicare is paying more like 100%. Yeah. So why why would you – and the reason was because we weren't accurate. Well, then think about it. The data that is used out there by Medicare to determine what how they're going to pay and what's working, it's got to be important. So as an example, with chronic care management, there's a, like 135 – and I'm making that number up. It's a lot. I just rolled through it. There's 100, 100 – and 35 different reasons that you do chronic care management. Mm-hmm. And so people were saying, well, how, how important is for me to be accurate? And I said, well, it, it, the, the sad thing is it doesn't affect your billing if you say I'm doing a med reconciliation versus I'm doing a chart review. Yeah. But I said, think about this. A year from now, if you said I did 10 minutes of med review and I did 10 minutes of chart review, then now we're going to begin to start looking at what are the things that people are doing in chronic care management that are actually having an impact on hospitalizations and cost. Yeah. So yeah. if I could go back and say, hey, uh, doing med reconciliation by the pharmacist decreased hospitalizations by 35%. Mm. Yeah. I, I, and I think I think they do, but I'm going to be able to prove it. So now I can go back to Medicare. Medicare will find that data and say, hey, Wonder why we're not encouraging the use of pharmacists in, in physician practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which you are. Yeah, yeah, we are. But again, Medicare's got this uh, interesting. You know, during the pandemic, Medicare said uh, we're going to waive what they call direct supervision. For example, a pharmacist. This is the crazy thing. Pharmacist has to be under direct supervision of a physician or a nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. Now, a pharmacist has been to school for eight years learning everything <laughs> they're <a doctor>. about drugs. <laughs> they, yeah, they're, they have a doctorate degree in pharmacy, mm-hmm. and yet they have to, quote, be supervised by a nurse practitioner. Right. 
it, it's crazy. So uh, it's the great thing though is it's been that that supervision. We we have our pharmacists supervised by physicians, and and during the pandemic they've been able to say direct supervision can be as long as they have an audio video capability between the two of them if there's a need. Um, that you know, like the pharmacist has a question, they could reach out the doc. So now what's going to happen is Medicare is rescinding that. And mm -hmm. they're proposing to rescind that direct supervision and say you have to be in the same building every single day. Right. So we have a pharmacist today. She got 12 people on her on her um, uh, list to go through and do med reconciliations, which she could do sitting at, at home because her kid's sick. Mm -hmm. And now she can't work. Yeah. So now she's going to have to take PTO. She's those twelve patients are not going to get med re, uh, their meds reconciled. There's probably going to be a hospitalization, and for Medicare's rule there, it's going to cost them millions mm. of dollars. Yeah. Wow. How ridiculous! Sure, absolutely. And this was and this was all decided. Not American Medical Association says we need to have this audio video direct supervision. It doesn't make any sense. If the pharmacist has a question, they'll call me. Mm -hmm. You know, the every, the pharmacy uh, groups have said, yes, this is what we need to do. And this was a decision made by somebody in Congress, a congressperson who didn't understand anything about healthcare, but just thought, well, I think the pharmacist should be in the same building and have no clue how people <laughs> are using it. In Congress has yeah, got to get 2022. out of this. <laughs> Well, actually, you know, Congress tried to to take away this ACO. So eventually, you know, where we're headed is Congress is going to Medicare is just going to be is is a paid for thing. But Congress should collect the taxes and distribute it to the people to get things done. Right. Right. That's their job. Yeah. For the for the good of the people. Don't try to micromanage these programs. Well, don't micromanage Let, something you don't understand is the, is the big thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like my, my nurse practitioners who want to give advice on copays and deductibles. <laughs> right. You don't know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Talk to a biller or coder. <laughs> it, it, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just been, um, you know, I, I think if I, we used to talk about years ago and, and I, we used to talk about stay in your lane, um, but it's really more, and and we stopped saying that because then again, let's say you get a you you answer a telephone call and you don't know what to do with this problem. Mm -hmm. What what we'll often see, and I and we actually had somebody, an employee, did that this week who who said, "Well, I just told them they're going to have to hang up and call back somebody else." Mm. Wow. <laughs> I was going to know. <laughs> own the problem, write it down, go find the answer, and then call the patient back and say. Hey, I figured this out for you. Sure. Absolutely. Somebody knows the answer's there. You just, you got to yeah. be resourceful. Well, we used to, have, we would have people that answer phones and they would send what they call a patient case and they would just send the patient case off to somebody and then forget about it. Okay. I did my job. I sent it. I gave it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That person could be on vacation for two weeks. Right. <laughs> exactly. And, and then the patients and the patients calling back and yeah. grabbing somebody else and they were doing it, which is kind of why we did away with what we called our patient advocates who were answering phones. And so I know it frustrated some of our uh, our patients because now when you call our office, you're going to get an automated um, thing and it says, please leave a message. 
Right. And, but the great thing is, if you'll just leave the message, it goes directly to the person who could answer your information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I've, I've called and not even left a message and still got a call back. I think it was what, 10 minutes and didn't leave yeah. a message. So, so the system I think is, is there, it's not, nothing's perfect, but it, it works. Well, because what we, we found out um, today somehow, or this week, that somehow there was a bucket where people were, like, were leaving messages and the bucket wasn't going to anybody. Mm, yeah. So we, we found about 18, 1,800 telephone calls there where they never got answered. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been, it, it was pretty horrible. Now, what I think, what we've done, though, is that that bucket, what happened, that bucket was still tied to the 800 number. And we have rolled out regional numbers. So mm-hmm. if you live in Rock Hill, this is the number you should call. But what we're finding, there were a lot of our patients or their family members who didn't know that number. And so they were just Googling and finding our 800 number. So I think you're redoing the website now. Yeah. So you can look at regions and click on it and, and say where I need to go. Um, uh, just in light of that, the only thing I would say is that uh, like a lot of people don't know if I live in Sumter, well, I don't know what region I'm in. I think so you, you put it for every county. So if you're mm-hmm. in Sumter now, you get hit Sumter County because because on one month, you may be in our PD region, and the next month, you might be in our Columbia region. Right. <laughs> or, you know, because we always kind of move it around based on what's going to be best for the patients in that yeah. area. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think um, I think there's some good, yeah, good lessons in here, uh, Scott. I think, you know, going back to, you know, people, I feel like people, especially during the pandemic, everybody kind of became an expert on COVID. <laughs> if you were on Facebook or, you know, people were right. going out to WebMD, you know, find an expert, find somebody, especially when you're talking about medical things, find an expert, find somebody who is an expert, not just take anybody's word for it. I mean, I, I tell their, our providers all the time, I said, you don't want me talking about clinical stuff. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, I, I don't understand that. Uh, I don't understand how you diagnose. I don't understand medications. And, and, and I said, but, you know, at some point you got to think about, well, if I don't really understand it, maybe there's, there's a reason I don't. But what we also have to do as an organization always is make sure the people, there's somebody out there who can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've been trying to reach Lowe's for two weeks. I ordered a washer and dryer from my uncle to be delivered. And I got this, um, I got an email from them saying that they had sent part of the order to a store up in North Carolina instead of sending it. So that then I get a call, the washer is here, but the yeah. dryer's not here. Right. And then the, the stacking unit is not here. And I have been circling around for two weeks and I actually reached, um, the store, I, I said, well, I'm just going to call that direct store and, and call them. And the lady said, Oh yeah, let me transfer you. No one ever answered the phone <laughs> 35 minutes. I was in the car. So I said, I'm just going to stay online 35 minutes on hold. Right. Wow. You yes. know, so it's, it, yeah, we got to get better at that. And I'd love to say, hopefully the CEO of Lowe's one day will listen to this and say, huh, maybe I ought to call that number and see what happens. Yeah. And, and that, that's something you do. You, you're, you're not a static leader. 
you're constantly in the field talking to, you know, providers, you talk to anybody in the organization. Oh. And that's how you find out stuff. And, yeah. and, you know, it's not always the full truth, but there's a little bit of the truth to it. But like the other day I was going to um, a couple of our offices and I automatically plugged the addresses into my car. Cause one thing it'll save it, even though I think I know how to get there. And what I found is we have two offices right now that aren't attached to Google maps. Mm. Yeah. And so they're not listed there because we moved them and nobody let you know. Right. <laughs> or, J- or James, you know. yeah, or, or yeah, our developer. Yeah, that's, yeah, you got to communicate. Exactly. So, um, so anyway, I will say it's a, it's a great time. Uh, I, I will say it's a provider. You, this should be the greatest time in the history of the world for you to be a provider. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many opportunities for you to make a huge change. Uh, the chronic care management is is just vital to to where we're headed in this world. The 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 understanding how you make appropriate diagnosis for the right risk scores for patients, and what I think we're going to see is that the primary care physicians, which is what care kept saying, have been the most underpaid and underutilized people in in the pr- practitioners, and now they're going to be compensated fairly. For yeah. it, and I'm excited for that. Right. Yeah. Scott, let me, as we close here, let me ask you two questions. One, because you, you, you're constantly looking towards the future. You're constantly ahead of things. What yeah. do you anticipate primary care looks like in five years? And what do you anticipate the hospital system looks like in five years? If we make these changes and we continually push primary care, um, keep people out of the hospital. What do those things look like in five years? So what's going to happen is the the primary care physicians are going to now be able to break away from the hospital systems again because they're going to get compensated for keeping people out of the hospital. They're going to make enough money that they can go off on their own again. Mm-hmm. And and so if as that happens, the hospital systems need to really start to streamline and focus in on their acute care. Yeah. And so that means that when somebody gets to the hospital, but our hospitals are going to shrink in size yeah. and they're going to shrink in terms of the specialists that are inside of them because more of the money is going to be pumped into the primary care. So I think the hospitals just have to be ready for it. And I think the biggest issue is what are they going to do with all this bricks and mortar that they're going to build? In yeah. They're going to have to start converting a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Those hospital rooms are going to be empty a lot more often. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of these massive hospital systems that, like you said, they have huge facilities. Yeah, they they really won't need that. Yeah, I mean, in, in five years, if if I can pick up a patient at age 65 and I can manage their care appropriately, I think I can keep the majority of people out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, then I take the people that are really really sick, um, and we continue to to do so much for them when it's really not extending their life and not making them any better, yeah. but yet they're spending tons of money um, in how we help provide comfort to them and, and quality of life. Right. You know, so for me, it's not about me living to be a hundred years old. I, I would rather die at, at a, you know, the older you get, the that number changes, but I'd rather die at 90, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and and live a great you know years through 90 than to spend 10, 
10 years of my life, you know, hospitalized. Sure. Um, and so I think you just have to, and those are personal choices. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is, is that what, what the government needs to be doing is making sure that patients have choices. Yeah. So these new programs, these ACOs are not limiting what people can get. You know, they can always say, hey, I don't like this primary care physician's not giving me everything I need. I'm going to the specialist and they can still do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just not sure that's always the best for the patient. Right. Absolutely. Scott, this is great. Thanks so much. And uh, man, we, we, we appreciate you being on the podcast. And uh, man, enjoy the mountains. I will. Thank you. I'll yeah. see you next week. Right. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. And if you could leave us a five-star review, we would really appreciate it. Visit our podcast website at thedisruptedpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to one of our other podcasts in our podcast network, the LTC University Podcast, Experiencing Healthcare with Matt Stop, the Thriving Practitioner Podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Have a great week.